Hey everyone, we're the Girlish Podcast. My name is Gage. And I'm Jay. We're two trans women of color who wanted to start a conversation. We wanted to provide insight into the transition process through our own unique perspectives. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Girlish. Today we're going to be diving into episode 8, which is all about race gender, ethnicity, mostly race and ethnicity, um, just sharing our experiences with our cultural backgrounds and how that has affected our transition. My name is Gage, and I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Jay. Wow, I'm so flattered. Uh, Thank you so much for that. And yeah, we're really excited to talk about this topic today. Um, We originally filmed this yesterday, and you know, we just felt like we didn't talk about the topics that we wanted to talk about. We felt like we didn't hit upon certain things that we thought were important. And we really just wanted to refine some of the things that we said. So, you know, we're still going to be a mess, but at least we'll be a little bit more organized. We have some more notes and we're trying to have a better flow with how we communicate, you know, all of all of this that we're all the tea that we're going to be spilling today. And I think it's such an important topic for us to talk about, you know, when it comes to ethnicity, when it comes to what it means to be a person of color, and especially in the trans community and, you know, diving into all those intersectionalities and talking about all those um, just things that define us and make us who we are. And so I really want to kind of tell our stories and I want to share our experiences and what it means to be, you know, us. Yeah, it is fun to like goof around and have a good time on the podcast. But with a topic as serious as this one, this is, like you said, going to be a serious episode. Um, We're going to be talking about a lot of sensitive issues. And I just want to apologize beforehand if we ever say anything in this episode that comes off as offensive to anybody. Um, I sincerely apologize. That's not the point of this episode. Um, It's not to make people feel bad or make them feel a certain way about their own journey. Um, We're just trying to bring light to a specific group and a specific subsection of the community that doesn't get a lot of representation. And it's really important for us to understand where all of us come from and what life is like for people who live in a different part of the world than you do or have different um, accesses to medication or have a different family dynamic. So we're not trying to shame anybody. It's just a conversation that needs to be had for people who oftentimes don't have a voice in the community. Yeah. And we really appreciate you guys listening every single week. We know we've been just constantly growing and we're very, very happy and excited about the community that we have here. It's really incredible. And like Gage said, if there is something that we mess up with saying, if there's something that's potentially offensive that we say, please feel free to reach out and correct us and we will take the steps to become a better person. You know, life is about growing from ignorance and that's what we plan on doing, especially when we talk about a topic like this today. So yeah, I'm really happy. But before, you know, diving into this serious conversation, I want to have like a little lighthearted conversation just about how our days are going and about how, um, you know, how we're feeling today, because I think it's important to kind of show you guys our personalities and who we are and, you know, what we do from a day to day. So you can kind of just get a better understanding of, of you know, our, our personal lives. And because we are more than just our transition and, you know, things that revolve around our transition. We are our our own identities. And I think it's important to kind of talk about, you know, these days that, you know, we may be working or, you know, these days we may be home, you know, relaxing. So with that being said, how's your day been, Gage? 
Well, my day has been phenomenal because it's my first day off since last Wednesday. So I worked a week in a row. Um, I woke up late. I had chocolate for breakfast. And after this podcast, I'm probably just going to watch TV all day. So I'm having a wonderful day. That sounds fun. Honestly, I wish I could say the same. But working a week straight, I think that would kill me. It's torture. Like, I remember the days when I was in college or just like in high school where I would go to school, come home and like play video games or watch TV or basically do whatever I want. And now that I'm like in the workforce, it's impossible to do that because like you have to go home and clean the house or clean the apartment and then cook dinner and then go to sleep because you have to work the next day. So it's just annoying you never get to do what you want to do anymore yeah I don't know if you feel the same way that I do but now that we have like a YouTube channel now that we have like a podcast do you ever feel like the times that you're not doing anything you feel like you're just wasting time and you should be doing something productive yeah I feel like I'm wasting time and I'm I should be doing some type of task but it's good to like dial down and give yourself a day to just watch tv all day I think that's something we all need and also this podcast sometimes feels like a part-time job. Like I love doing it. <laughs> but it's like it. a fun job. Yeah. No, it's definitely it, – it's so fun. I, I, I get so excited about doing it. I feel like I know all about marketing now just because of how much I've I been know. trying We're like to social push. media marketers now. <laughs> I like go on Reddit every day to see, you know, if more people like, you know, want to listen to us. I go on Tumblr. Gage is really active on Instagram. So we both like have really like tried our best, like learn all these – um, social media sites to try and grow girlish because we want to reach as many people as we can. So it definitely can feel like a, um, a chore sometimes, but honestly, it's great to seeing like more people come and listening to us. And it's great knowing that more people want to be involved in our conversation. So it's been pretty fun. And um, even though like, you know, I just got home from work, I'm, I'm having like a really good day. I'm really happy. I feel like for the first time in my life, I have a lot of structure and I'm really excited for tomorrow which, you know, typically like a year or two, three years ago, it wasn't like that. I was so afraid, but now I'm really happy. And I think everything for the first time in my life is just right where it needs to be. So I think the stress that I do have, yeah, it's like, it's a good type of stress. So I'm really, really happy with that. I'm happy for you. Now, all you have to do is move to LA and then your life will be complete because we can hang out together. I keep telling Cage I'm going to move into her closet because <laughs> I can't, bitch can't afford to live in LA. I like, have I like re- I have a pretty small apartment, but my closet is abnormally large. So I'm like, you guys can just move in if you want. <laughs> Great, enough room for me, Emily, and Fig. Yeah, yeah, a uh, Fig's my cat, by the way. But yeah, I'm yeah, I do plan on moving there, and that's a big, big goal for me. Especially you know going into 2020, that's where I want to be, and I'm looking around in March to be living there hopefully we're trying to save as much money as we can and hopefully you know maybe get a a coin or two from this podcast but um i'm really excited for the future and i do uh, hopefully we'll end up there but yeah yeah like you were saying like we have done a lot of marketing and and trying to improve our graphic design skills i don't know if any of you guys follow us on instagram but i literally spend like 10 to 15 minutes creating Instagram stories for no reason. Like, I doubt people even look at them longer than They're four seconds. They're so good, though. I but, like, I'm like, oh, I need this sticker. I need to highlight this. I need different fonts. I need to add all this extra stuff when it's not necessary. But it's fun for me. I don't know why. 
I'll make one in like in like two seconds and put it post it on like the girlish Instagram. And then I'll like the next slide will be what you made. And it's like 10 times better. <laughs> and it's so embarrassing because I'm like, oh my gosh, she snapped. She really did the thing. Yeah, I know. Well, if you're not following us on Instagram, you should be. So you can see all the hard work that we put into like our stories and our posts. We just started like a new Instagram theme for our page, which I I honestly love. I think it's really cool. It's helped us grow a lot. Um, and it's helping us kind of share parts of our history that we don't typically share on our YouTube channels or on our own personal pages. So if you want to, you can follow us on Instagram. It's at Girlish Podcast. Uh, it's also where we get all of the questions that we start our episodes with. So if you have a question, uh, we usually post a couple hours before we film asking you guys or telling you what the topic is and asking if you have any questions about it. So you should definitely go follow us on there. Yeah, I'm um, as of recording this, Gage and I just hit 500 followers on our girlish Instagram. Which is we- insane because like a week ago we had 100. So we really couldn't be more thankful. A large, a large part of our like audience have come from Instagram, and so I'm really like, I'm really thankful for for all of you who are continuously supporting, sharing the podcast. Anytime we get anyone that like puts our podcast on their Instagram story, we're so quick to thank them because it's really it means the world to us just to have people wanting to listen. Like Gage and I recently got iTunes reviews, or we looked at them the other day. And I got so emotional because we have five star a review, a reviews, and we have a few comments that people left, and it's just crazy to see that you know our podcast actually means something to people, which is what we want it to do. And it's it's really really an amazing feeling to just it, like what we our vision for it to be fulfilled. And I think you know every day we're working more and more, and it's really showing with the, the audience that's growing, and we're really really happy with everything that's happening in our lives. Yeah. And we honestly have not been doing this very long, like maybe like a month and a half. And we've already seen a bunch of growth. So just imagine what we can do in the next coming months. We're about to take over the world. Yeah, we're going to kill it. So I'm, I'm just, I'm really excited for the future of everything. And I'm excited to bring you guys along with us and bring you along when we are able to film this podcast together, hopefully one day in the future and maybe have guests one day. We have a good friend of ours that we want her to be a part of an episode. And hi, Alice. (laughs) What's up? Um, But yeah, I think we're, we're really just happy with the way everything's going. And yeah, yeah, so thank you guys for everything. And with that being said, I think we should get into the first question. So if you want to ask it, Yeah, of course. Um, So like I said, our questions come from Instagram. Um, First question is from user Elijah. I think I'm saying that right. Um, Their question is, is your family from the Philippines super religious? And was it hard for you to or was it hard for them to accept you? Um, So I think that's a good way for me to get into just my ethnic background and um, like my upbringing and the family that I grew up with. So I am a lot of things. I took like a 23andMe DNA test. So I'm literally from every single part of the world. Um, But I mainly identify with my Filipino side. Um, So Filipino, Black, and German are the three parts of my identity that I identify the closest with just because um, my family that I grew up with, on my dad's side, I had the German and Black. And on my mom's side, I had the Filipino. 
So those are the identities that I personally identify with the most. Um, So in terms of the question, if you didn't know, the Philippines, um, the predominant religion in the Philippines is Catholic. And the Catholic Church hasn't necessarily always been the most open or accepting to people in the LGBT community. Um, We were talking about this yesterday, but it was a bishop in Rhode Island, I think, a bishop of the Catholic Church, um, basically made a statement recently that people should refrain from going to pride events or supporting the LGBT community because it's like going against God or it's unholy or something like that. Um, So that kind of just goes to show you how Catholicism tends to shun people of the LGBT community. And because that is a big part of Filipino culture, I was honestly scared to tell that side of my family that I was trans just because uh, I knew like religion was a big thing. Um, Luckily, I come from a family who is more like Americanized uh, in a sense to where my mom doesn't really practice her religion. Neither does my grandma. Like she still is religious, but neither of them, none of the people on my mom's side are like super religious or anything like that. So I think that gave them a lot more of a understanding of where I'm coming from as a trans person and being more accepting. Uh, Of course, there are a lot of people, trans people in the Philippines that probably have the opposite experience where their families disown them, kick them out, Um, just for the fact that it goes against what the Catholic Church preaches. Um, The Philippines is also an interesting place because there are a lot of areas that are extremely accepting of trans people. There's even a pageant called Miss International that's like a trans woman only pageant in the Philippines. So there are areas that have a lot of acceptance, but like I have been saying, due to the Catholic Church, there are those people that are really strict and religious. So it's like 50-50. So that's kind of like what made me scared for the most part about coming out to my family because in Tagalog, there is a phrase called bakla. And basically it's like a derogatory term for gay people. Basically like the word faggot in English. That's essentially what it means. And growing up, my family, like my cousin, my aunt, my grandma, like they would joke around and say like somebody's bakla because they were effeminate or something like that. So it was just little things like that that made me worried that, okay, if they are making fun of this person because of the way that they are, what are they going to think of me when I come out? Like, am I doing, am I going to be a disgrace to my family because I am part of this group that people like to make fun of a lot or like what's going to happen to me. Um, but like I was saying, luckily I'm thankful that I have an accepting family on that side. Um, so that's kind of a little bit of my cultural background, even though the question was framed in the lens of like a Filipino person, I think you could also answer this question too. Yeah, definitely. I think even like, um, yeah, my experience is is so similar to yours because I know Filipinos and Mexicans, they all sh- they both share like a common Catholicism that really em- is emphasized in the culture. And so, yeah, my ethnicity is um, I'm Mexican and my both my parents are Mexican. My dad's straight from Mexico. My, ma- my, my mom has like um, relatives who um, are from Mexico. And like, although her parents aren't directly from Mexico, they were born in the States. 
um, her like grandparents are from Mexico. So like, I'm very, very much Mexican and the whole Catholicism and its roots were very ingrained to me growing up, you know, like my dad was, um, you know, he came to the States illegally when he was like 14 and he just worked his, his ass off because, you know, there was this, this big emphasis on masculinity within, you know, the Mexican culture of like, you know, as soon as you can, you need to be a breadwinner. So my dad came to the States to work and he's been working in the fields, basically like in fruits and vegetables since he's gotten here. And so now he's in peaches, which um, is why he's in South Carolina. And um, yeah, so I kind of grew up with that big emphasis on what it means to be a Mexican individual. And um, it was really difficult because I was so terrified of coming out. My whole, the whole experience of me coming out, it was really hard. I, I didn't want to disappoint you know, my family, because it wasn't just my family, it was everything that revolved around like my whole culture, my whole identity. I felt like I was disappointing like my my ancestors and and all the people that, you know, made our our culture what it is. And it was it was really, really hard. And if you have ever been involved or, you know, seen any like type of Mexican communities, you can tell that Catholicism plays a huge impact on like just the roots of it all. And you see it in like Mexican art, you see it in um, their like the way that they handle certain things, like their their aesthetic, their clothing. Like I know a lot of cousins that I have wear like rosaries, like as a fashion statement, because they they feel so connected with like the Virgin Mary and 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 things like that. And so it's a big, big emphasis, um, um, religion to our community. And so when it came to coming out, I was completely terrified. I, I didn't want to go against, you know, everything that I had ever known. I felt like if I came out, I was, I, I, I just, I didn't know how to like look my family in the face because I felt like I was losing a part of myself. And I didn't want to change. Obviously, I, I liked my culture. I liked my history. I liked, you know, everything that it that it, it came with. But you know, at, at some point, there there has to be this middle ground where I'm allowed to be myself. I'm allowed to, you know, express myself in transition. But I'm also allowed to exist within my community and my ethnicity. And that was a very hard thing for me to find. And to be honest, I'm still even finding it today. So yeah, Catholicism really was impacted. And it's, I think it's what really, you know, cause you can be like a, a white trans individual and you can, um, be, a, you know, have a family that's really religious, but like once you come out and even if they're strict, even if they're hard on you, I think there's a difference with this like loss of identity almost because my culture is so invested in religion that whenever I came out, it felt like that part of me that I was involved with my entire life, this whole like community of people, I felt like I was just disgracing. So there's this like this impact that it has on me that I don't think it it necessarily, there's not the same weight when it comes to like, you know, like like white trans individuals or white gay people, white people that are part of the community. And I'm not trying to belittle any experiences or anything like that, but I think it's important to talk about the weight that comes with culture and especially for people of color. Yeah. Exactly. And I like that you brought up like the fact that religion is like oftentimes so intertwined with our culture because like you were saying 
you know, there are a lot of people that have a lot of religion in their families and people have families that are really invested in the church. But I feel like for people of color, religion is such a big part of the culture itself. Like you can't have a certain culture without that religious influence because it's so intertwined with other facets of the community, like like dressing up and the different holidays that people celebrate. So it's just such a big part of the culture and that's why I think people of color have kind of a sense of identity loss when they come out and not only do they lose part of the culture that they have but it's also that religious upbringing that also impacted and influenced a lot of their uh, like personality and their ideals and their goals in life because you know you want to essentially impress God and your family and when you come out as trans and it's something that's not accepted in either of those communities you're like at a loss because you feel like you disappointed pretty much everybody yeah 100% that's why I felt like it was so important for me to find communities that celebrated intersectionalities of individuals because I was able to communicate and talk with other people that have gone through similar experiences and they helped you know you know, me feel better about my my whole situation. They help me feel more connected with my roots. And it's really great when you can find a community of people that are, you know, part of your ethnicity that are going through the similar road that you are. Cause then you feel like, you know, you can be a part of your community. You you still can have all these different identities. You can embrace your intersectionalities and it can be a beautiful thing once you do. And so it definitely can be a, a really difficult situation. I was I was so scared for so long to be myself and just what it would mean to everyone, you know, around me. And like you said, like the Mexican culture also has that like gay or even like just Spanish in general, that like gay phrase that would always be said to like, you know, like pick on people or discriminate against like the gay community. And it would always like all, like gay and trans and queer people always be lumped together. And the word for our community is joto and basically means faggot too. So like anytime anyone would do anything, that's what we'd be called. Or if like some someone like a, a male figure in our family did something effeminate, they would always add like an A at the, the end of the name to make fun of them. Like my brother's name is like Joel. So they would call him Joella if he did something effeminate. And for me, they would use my dad name and add that at the end but honestly my dad name with the a at the end is pretty ugly so <laughs> but it was yeah just stuff like that that just like was really you know growing up it was really it made me scared to be who I was because you know it was always seen as a bad thing so yeah so that was a pretty good synopsis of our cultural backgrounds um we also have a few more questions kind of less specific but more in depth with how our culture and how the way that we look kind of influences the experiences that we have in real life too. Yeah. And so um, I'm really excited to answer this second question because I think it's important. Um, This one comes from Diego Valerio. They asked um, on Gage's personal Instagram, but their question was, how different is support from your maternal slash paternal family so, like, what's the difference between, like, their support that they've given you, like, on your mother's side and your father's side? And so I think that's a really important question that we both can can answer in, in pretty, you know, good depth. So I don't know if you, if you can go first if you want. Yeah. Um, so both sides, again, I'm very lucky that both sides are supportive. 
Um, I am closer with my mom's side of the family just because there are more of them. Like I have an aunt, an uncle, cousins, grandma on my mom's side that are all back in Seattle, but I grew up around all of them. Uh, My dad's side, I pretty much only had my grandma and my great grandma um, who has since passed away. Um, So I think, I don't know, this is hard because when I first came out, everybody was super supportive and I was like, wow, I'm really lucky that I have a family that is super supportive of me and accepts me for who I am. But couple years ago or like probably a year ago I found out that my aunt like was basically talking shit about me like the whole time but like being nice to my face but like talking shit about me saying that she doesn't approve of how I live my life and that like the fact that I'm trans is a product of bad parenting from my parents which pissed me the fuck off honestly um so I mean besides her my family's fine (laughs) Like, I completely cut her out. Like, I haven't spoken to her ever since then. It's been, like, almost a year or over a year, actually. She hasn't, like, reached out to me ever since I moved to L.A. And I kind of, like, I made it clear that I found out what she was saying because I don't think, like, she was basically talking shit about me to one of my grandma's caretakers. Um, And she probably didn't think anybody would find out, but caretaker ended up telling my mom who told me so I made it very clear that I figured out what she was saying behind my back and ever since then I feel like she's been kind of scared to talk to me and I mean she should be because that's fucked up to say to your niece's face that you support them and you love them but behind their back talk shit and basically make fun of your own sister and say that she's a bad parent because their child ended up being transgender. So besides her, my family is great. Um, I do like Filipinos do like gossip a lot. And I think you can probably talk about this too with your family. It's just a part of like how they are. So other than the gossiping and all of that, my family is pretty supportive of me. Yeah, that's, that's so cool. And and it's good to hear to like, especially know that um, it was only that that one relative that like really, you know, created the the, the big issue for you. And because I kind of have the similar situation where it's like one relative, like there's a lot of people in my family that like to gossip, but I think there's only there's specifically one relative of mine that basically makes it things so much harder than it has to be. Well, maybe two to be honest. But my mom definitely, my maternal side, my mom is that that relative. It's it's her that has the issue with me coming out. It was, you know, I grew up really close with my mom, which makes things really hard for me. I got really emotional on it in a previous podcast because I do miss, you know, being so close with her. We were, um, I felt like my entire life I had to protect her. I was very um, protective over her because, you know, I saw her go through a lot. My dad cheated on my mom. Um, My, you know, watching my grandparents pass away, she was going through a lot of pain. So growing up, I felt like, you know, I always had to be the perfect person for her to make, you know, things easier on her. So I got the good grades, you know, I, I um, had, you know, I was never bad in school. I never did anything that was bad. I was always kept to myself and, you know, and it really, it, you know, looking back, it's kind of, me- you know, it's kind of messed up that I, you know, I was doing all this stuff to make my mom happy and I wasn't living for myself. So I internalized a lot of my, my transition 
And, you know, before like a long time, like my entire life, you know, a small part of me was like, you know, even if I do decide to come out one day, she's going to be the one that supports me. She's going to be the one that's going to protect me for my dad, who's going to take it so bad. She's the one that's going to continuously like love me no matter what. And it turned out to be the exact opposite, which is kind of crazy because my dad um, actually, I think at first he was confused. And so I think he was upset, but he's come around so fast and like been so amazing with his progress of understanding me. At first, you know, he was like, like nervous about like what the neighbors would think or like, you know, what his, the rest of his family would think. But then, you know, I had a conversation with him not too long ago and he was basically saying he doesn't care. He just wants his kid in his life. And it made me really, really happy, like hearing him say that and being able to, you know, be so kind to me and being able to like want to support me no matter what. And so he's he's been great, although our relationship is still weird because I didn't really grow up close with him. My parents divorced when I was younger. Um, It's so nice knowing that it's better. Like our relationship is better now than it was when I was a teenager. So I'm, I'm really happy to see that. And I'm really happy that he's been so supportive. But yeah, my mom was a definitely a difficult person. Uh, when it came to coming out, I was outed when I was 19. My cousin uh, read something that I wrote on, I wrote like I wanted to come out and I wrote something on Tumblr (laughs) as every teenager does. And um, a friend of mine reblogged it and my cousin was following that friend. And then he read it and he told, he said he wasn't going to tell anyone, but obviously, you know, Mexican culture loves to gossip too. And so it ended up, you know, being thrown in my mom's face and she got really upset and she kicked me out of her house. She said I was never allowed to come back home. And uh, it was really tough. Luckily, you know, I surrounded myself with supportive people. My girlfriend was very, very supportive and she helped, you know, allow me to live the life that she knew that I had to. And it was really, really great having someone like her in my life to give me that constant support. But it was definitely a hard, you know, issue. And after coming out, my mom was so keen on getting me to talk to like priests. She really wanted to put me in like conversion therapy. And uh, she wanted me to talk with like psychologists that were that were like Christian psychologists. Like she really, it's like she would like call all these people to see what they can do to basically make me not me. And I kept yelling. I remember yelling at her all the time. I'm like, you're gonna, all you're gonna do is just feed answers you don't wanna hear. You're just trying to like, like if I go to any of these doctor's appointments, if I see any of these therapists you want me to see, they're just going to give you answers you don't want to hear. And then you're just going to go to someone else. You're never going to be happy. And so it was like the, a, a really hard struggle, like, you know, going through, like knowing that she would never accept me. And it sucks because you see that a lot in like Hispanic cultures where like parents shun their kids out. And they're, um, you know, a lot of times they, they'll end up homeless, they'll end up alone and by themselves. And it's crazy because of this just this cultural thing that's ingrained into us where, you know, masculinity has to be presented a certain way. And if it's not, then it's shunned and it's ridiculed and it's it's really just fucked up because um, it just plays into unrealistic standards for just gender like gender roles. And it's it's really not a way to be living like, you know, especially in 2019. So I definitely had a really hard time coming out with my or coming out to my mom Uh, she definitely took it the hardest and I also have a sister who you would think you know she would be like a voice of reason but no she just isn't uh she what is it what's the word I'm thinking of where instigates that's it she's the instigator where she like yeah so if like my mom and I are having a decent conversation she'll jump in 
like on the, cause my mom has the phone on speaker. If we're having a conversation, she'll like jump in and like say, like make fun of me, make fun of my voice, make fun of the way I'm speaking or the way that I look and like is really dramatic for no reason. And so then it like becomes this whole thing where it makes my mom more mad at me. And like, I just, I feel like I can never go home and it really sucks because you know, it's like the house I grew up in, like, why am I not allowed in there? Why am I not allowed in, into the, the home that I have so memories? Because I don't know, that's like the most frustrating thing, I think, is just a, not being, you know, able to, I don't just because, because something that I did, like, that makes me happy, you know, being able to express myself, just something that is the way it is, just me being trans, it's just, that's just a fact that I, I am what I am. And just because of that, like, just because someone doesn't agree with it, I'm 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 forced to to live differently or have to adjust because of it, and and it's shitty. And I and I think there should be more progress into creating a space where, or like a you know a community or a future of you know society where we can just push for more acceptance and more representation. And so I you know every day I do that, I try call, talking to my mom, trying to make it work because I I want it to work and. And even though like a lot of people might give up, I, I, I'm so eager to keep pushing because I want them to know that I'm not the one in the wrong. Like I'm not a, I'm not a child. Like I know myself more than you could possibly know me. And you're the one making the mistakes now. Like you're the one that's not growing up. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's sad. You brought up the fact that you were really close to your mom growing up. I was really close to my aunt growing up. Like my aunt, is kind of like the black sheep of the family. She's very like out there. Um, but I was always so close to her growing up. Um, I basically would always like defend her and be on her side whenever the rest of my family got in fights and blamed her for doing something stupid. But I was always the one that was on her side and always loved her no matter what. And the fact that like to see where our relationship is now that like for so long I was the one supporting her and then when I came out and I just needed a little bit of support she's the one that says that she disagrees with the way that I'm living with living my life and all of that so it's just really disheartening to know that like you can have the best relationship with someone but the second you come out it could completely change everything and it shouldn't and it's sad that it comes to that oftentimes but it happens to a lot of people and it's hard to deal with. Like you think that you know somebody and then just out of nowhere, they just don't want anything to do with you anymore. Yeah, I definitely, it's kind of crazy whenever you come out and you see the people that want, you know, come out and like in support of you. And then you see the people that, that, that don't. And it really, it really shows, you know, people's true colors. Cause you know, maybe if you're, you know, you're a kid, like me, I was like 19 and you grow up, you don't talk about certain things like like gender identity or like the LGBT community because it wasn't something that like involved my family. Not until like I basically came out. Um, yeah, my family never had anything to say about any of it. So no one really said their personal feelings. And so the people that you speculate would support you and they don't, and like it really hurts. But it is also cool to see the ones that, that just come out of nowhere and are just like, you know, like, like, you know, we want you to be as happy as you can. Like, for example, I have a cousin, I have a million cousins, but there's this one cousin who he's a lot older. He's like probably one of the older cousins. He's in his like, I would say mid thirties now at this point. And I really like, I never thought about like him when I came out, like, cause I just haven't spoken with him in so long, 
but he is like this masculine type of person. Uh, he, I grew up and he was always like the big, like, like bro cousin almost her. Like he was like, just like this masculine individual always go to the gym and stuff like that. And so, um, I was when everything was like going down and my family was gossiping about me it was really cool because apparently like he spoke up in defense of me and even like every now and then he'll message me and then say that like you know hoping that I'm I'm doing well and just talking about how like he really you know like is there for me and then like it makes me so happy to be able to, to like know that I have family that 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 I you know haven't talked to in so long that want to be there for me so like in that kind of sense, it's it's really cool to see those, you know, that do come out because those are the true people that you want in your life. The ones that are able to, you know, not be ashamed of you and being able to give you, you know, that community that you need. Yeah. And I think, yeah, so there's community and then there's also like the way that your culture and the way that you look affects what people perceive you in public and how people treat you and react to you. Um, So we have another question from Instagram that kind of dives more into that. Um, So the question is from your local theater geek, and they asked, what is your worst racial incident that's ever happened to you? Uh, You can go first for this one. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, I've had some I've had some pretty shitty situations that happened to me. I would say not so much anymore because I'm very particular with who I put myself around and um, the community and like the space that, I, that I'm in, in Florida specifically, I feel like it's a little more diverse, but like growing up, it was definitely like an issue. I saw a lot of like racist issues specifically, you know, like growing up, having a dad, you know, being like a, a field worker, like it was very, you know, it was, it was hard, you know, and like for a long time, I was even ashamed of it. So um, it was definitely um, really difficult dealing with people. I, I grew up in South Carolina, and so you would hear like really horrible things. I've been called a spick before, which is um, it's a really gross term to you know talk about someone who is of Spanish descent, of you know Hispanic descent, and it really hurt when that happened because it was a friend of mine that said that, and I've also had people refer to me speaking Spanish as speaking Mexican, which is like you know a lot of these might be even microaggressive. But like, you know, they have so much weight to them. So, but I think the big one that probably like sticks out to me the most was I remember this one time my sister and I, we went inside of a, um, it was a Sally's when my sister needed some stuff. She was dyeing her hair and uh, there was like, I think there was another few more other customers in there, but it was just my sister and I that walked in. And um, for some, my sister and I just for like visual, we're, we're pretty She's pretty, I would say, like a um, darker skin um, when it comes to like like our family. She was, she's pretty like much like a darker skinned um, Hispanic person. I have um, lighter skin than her, but at the time, um, my skin was darker. I was outside more, and um, we were clearly Hispanic, and we're clearly. I think we we showed that we're Hispanic, and you know, growing up in like South Carolina, there's, you know, you can definitely see the difference between like a normal white person. And then, or not a normal white, but you know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah. a white person and then like Hispanic person. So we walked in and like uh, the employee there was just like following. He would stand at the end of every aisle that we walked down. And it was, it was so shitty. Cause like we would like see that he was doing it. So we'd go down another aisle to see if he would follow. And he would just like walk and just stare at us and stand at the end of the aisle. Cause he thought we were going to steal something. 
because there's this assumption that you know that we're 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 thieves and stuff like that and like that hit really hard because as a kid you you don't really understand you're just like why is this happening i was so young but then when you grow up and you start understanding like like you know people are just they're fucked up people people like think certain ways and like they feel certain ways about certain individual people just based off the color of their skin and it that that really like sticks with me to this day like that being like such a a prominent thing to happen in my life yeah and for me i so i work in a predominantly white suburbia neighborhood in la so as you can imagine the clientele is very specific there's not a lot of diversity usually the people that come in all look similar which is white um and there have been so many times when i'm at work where somebody comes up to me like they look very puzzled they have a puzzled look on their face and they just come up to me and they're like what are you and i'm i'm like what and they're like like your ethnic background what are you you look so different and exotic and I'm like, I honestly don't know how to respond to that question because it's very off-putting to just have like a random person come up to you and be like, what are you? Because I think it just goes to show how far removed these people are from everybody else in the world. Like they are only concerned or only surrounded by people who have similar experiences that they do and are of a similar wealth status and have the same careers and goals and everything like that so they're surrounded by people that are basically copies of themselves and they have no idea how to interact with people of color or people who aren't non-white and I think we can go deeper into this issue when we talk about like um, people of color in the LGBT community but there are just so many people that come up to me and they're confused and they're trying to decipher like what my ethnic background is like as if it matters, like, what what are you going to say? How does it change our interaction in any way? If I tell you that I'm this race instead of this race, like, is that going to make you think less of me because I'm Filipino or less of me because I'm part Black? Like, I don't understand what the point of that question is. And I understand it's okay to be curious, but I think there's a way to go about it. Even, like, on top of that, there have been so many women, like, white women that have come up to me at the register or something and they always are like your hair is so incredible is it real or is it a wig and I'm just like did you really just ask me if my hair was real like what I'm working I think why would you ask that question and it's I don't know it's so crazy to me because I I grew up in a pretty diverse area in Seattle and people were pretty accustomed to seeing people of color all the time but like being in this like suburb that's maybe like five miles long it's so crazy to see how like intrigued they are when they see somebody that doesn't look like everybody else that lives there and I'm like yes Karen some people have curly hair not everyone has straight hair like you do so it just like goes to show how some people are so involved in their own experience and they have no idea what's going on outside of their little bubble isn't that so wild like yeah that just people just can't in, like interpret something that might I don't know it just that used to happen with me all the time with um when I was younger where like people would ask me all the time like are your eyes because I have colored eyes I have green eyes 
and people were so baffled. They're like, you know, like, like how, like, how do you, are those real? Are those contacts? Like people not understanding or like, they'll see my colored eyes and they're like, yeah, like, what, what are you? Like, what, what are you? And it's just like, um, I'm Mexican. And they're like, no, no, you're not. A lot of people not understanding that it's possible for a Hispanic person to have colored eyes. Like, it's not that crazy. You know, Spaniards are the ones that conquer the natives in, in, in Mexico. So it's not that crazy to think that we'd have colored eyes. I don't know. It's frustrating because you, you'd see that so often. And um, yeah, it's like, uh, they just these and they can be like like microaggressive and I think we both are lucky that you know we have an experience like like physical harm because of our, our ethnicity and I think it's because you know the world is changing a lot and you know there is a lot of growth and we I think we both do have a lot of privilege when it comes to certain things so I do want to emphasize emphasize stuff like that because there are serious situations and more intense situations that happen to you know other people of color you know even specifically like black trans women of color or just black trans women, sorry. And, you know, there's a lot of serious like issues that, you know, occur within those communities. And I really want to bring that up because a lot of times we will get a lot of questions asking, you know, if we're, if we're black, because we, you know, we say that we're women of color and a lot of people, you know, think that's specifically black. And, and I always feel bad because I'm like, oh no, like I, I don't want, you know, people to, you know, think like because we're still women of color our experiences are still valid and they're still different than like a white and trans person a white person that's part of the community but i do want to put a lot of emphasis on on the black the african-american trans community because it, it can be really harsh you see a lot of of unfortunate like murders you see a lot of unfortunate harassing when it comes to like those um communities and and yeah i think it's really important to discuss and talk about that yeah, I think that's a perfect segue to go into discussing Black trans women and the amount of violence that they go through and even the importance that they have in creating the current LGBT movement that we have. And like I was talking about with the customers at my job that are so involved in their specific bubble, I think a lot of people, even inside the LGBT community, have kind of also fallen into that same trap. Um, because I feel like a lot of people think that once you're trans or if you come out as trans, you basically experience life the same as every single other trans person. And that couldn't be any farther from the truth, um, even inside the trans community and the LGBT community as a collective. There are different levels of privilege that people experience. So I, I just want to say I'm not trying to say that white trans men or white trans women um, don't experience any type of discrimination. That's completely not true. Um, I'm just trying to highlight that there is a level of privilege that comes with being a white person that a black trans woman does not get to experience. Um, so there are levels in the community and black trans women ha are pretty much at the bottom of this hierarchy and they experience the most violence and the most hatred. Um, a couple of days ago, the fourth black woman that has been murdered this year only in Dallas, Texas was killed. And that's the eighth murder of a black trans woman in the United States since the year started. So, and that's even just only the documented cases who knows how many trans women have died in the United States over the last year that haven't been documented, their bodies haven't been found or the media coverage hasn't been provided. So it's just a clear sign that trans women of color are 
a specific target in the community and honestly not a lot of people talk about it and I think that's fucked up because like I was saying before trans women are an integral role of the LGBT community like Marsha P. Johnson who was a black trans woman basically started Stonewall which is a riot that catapulted the community to get the type of representation that it has today if it wasn't for her we wouldn't have any of the luxuries that we have now and I'm sure a lot of people in the LGBT community and even in the trans community don't even know who she is. And that's really sad. And I think it's important that we are having this conversation and bringing light to all of the important black trans women that have done so much, even just black queer people that have done so much for our community. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you so much. And I, I think we really need to take a look at the history of, you know, the LGBT community and appreciate and understand what people of color have done and have created for um, for us and for the, the, the liberation um, of, you know, you know, the, we are where we are today, even though it's not the greatest place, but, you know, it could be a lot worse. And we are where we are today because of those folks that that really, you know, step outside of this box that we're put in. They they stepped outside of it and they advocated and they pushed for more rights for us. Marsha P. Johnson was is a hero and should be appreciated and and loved and respect for the rest of eternity because she really did something that so many people were afraid of, and she really was like a prime example of of just a true a true hero, American hero. And it's really great that, you know, I'm even able to sit here today and talk about her. She's just really created so many waves, just being, you know, so involved. She helped a lot when it came with the, you know, AIDS back in the day. And she even started Star with, with Sylvia Rivera, um, which Star is Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries, which was this organization that helped um, house and support queer and trans youth and this was in 1970 1970 and like that those kind of waves happened like that early on and it's crazy because we are where we are today because of those movements of those people creating those differences and so it's really really cool to look back and appreciate that and it's also really important that we pay attention to to the murder rates and all of the assault that happens to to trans women to specifically you know black trans women i live in gainesville florida which is an hour and a half maybe at most two hours away from jacksonville florida and jacksonville florida is the trans murder capital of america because of how many uh, murders have happened with trans individuals that's only an hour and a half away from me and like that happens, you know, trans people are being are being murdered and it's really, it's really horrible and it's not discussed, it's not talked about enough and it's definitely something that, that needs to be, to be solved and, and there definitely needs to be more steps into creating like a space where, you know, we can really put emphasis on the lives of black trans women because I feel like there, there's not enough emphasis and if you are white and you're listening and you're, you know, upset that we're talking about us being a people of color, I want you to understand that, you know, not everything is going to always be about you. Like there are actual real events going on that are horrible that 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 affect 
people of color because of their skin tone, because of just a way that they were born. And that's still going on today. Yeah. Um, I mean, it has been shown in history pretty much with any type of revolution um, or any type of human rights movement, whether it's feminism or the LGBT community. It always starts off as a vision to give rights, equal rights to women or equal rights to people of the LGBT community. But as time goes on, it kind of morphs into a vision that is specifically for a certain group of people. Like we saw in feminism, it started as a movement for all women. But as time went on, white feminism became the predominant type of feminism that was celebrated. So, yeah, like we're all for women getting equal rights, but it's only if you're white only if you're straight, only if you are able-bodied. So it's a very specific type of group of people that kind of take the reins of a movement and go with it. And then everybody else kind of gets left behind. And I feel like we kind of went down that path with the LGBT community where like white gay men were the ones that were supposedly the leaders of the whole uprising. And they're doing so much because they're in all these movies and TV shows and talk shows. And we forget that like this movement started because of a black trans woman and she or none of the other people of color in the community really get any credit for starting the conversation. And I think it's very important for us to be able to step out of our out of ourselves and understand how people in the community are being affected. Like recently with the Black Lives Matter incident in the movement people a lot of white people had issues with it because they felt that it was exclusionary or that it was saying that you know black people are the only lives that matter and everybody else doesn't matter and that like that type of mindset is why we keep going down this pattern because we can't look at highlighting a specific minority as being exclusive it's the fact that we're so used to everybody thinking that the world revolves around the whole community when there are specific communities that never get to speak or they are so marginalized that people have no idea what they're going through. And I think it's important, whether it's feminism or Black Lives Matter or the LGBT community, that if you are a person of privilege, if you are white, you have to step outside of yourself, not be offended that these people are getting a certain movement that you are not necessarily a part of. It, it's not exclusionary. It's highlighting an experience that oftentimes is not highlighted enough. And like I am part black. My dad is half black. And even though I am black, I don't necessarily identify with that side of me, not because I'm ashamed of it. Um, I'm not ashamed of any part of my ethnic background. I just know that I have a level of privilege that other black women don't have. Like I can go out in public and not be perceived as black. And that is in itself a level of privilege. Like I don't experience the type of discrimination that black trans women experience because I don't look like that. And that's why I feel like I'm, I'm not hundred percent comfortable, like identifying with that side of me because I know that even though I am black, I don't experience all the negativity and all of the discrimination that they do. And it's unfair for me to say, yes, I'm part black when I don't experience that. And like, I just want people to be able to step outside of themselves and to really look at 
the community from a different perspective other than just your own because everybody is it going through a different set of setbacks and you might have certain things going on in your life that are pushing you back or making it difficult for you to move forward but there are so many people that have it so much worse than you and even like we've been talking about our own experiences but in the grand scheme of things we are very privileged in a sense that we both have a roof over our heads. We have a loving partner that is with us and continues to love us and support us no matter what. We have jobs, we have money, we have things to eat and we're alive. Most of all, like there are so many trans people that have been killed and we're still here. So in a sense, that's a privilege. And I think it's important for everybody to have that type of mindset because Without it, we're kind of just self-absorbed in our own bubble and we end up not knowing what's going on in the world. And that's problematic. Yeah. And I think that you, I think you summed up everything really nicely. I think it's important that, you know, we talk about Black trans women because it is something that I think there needs to be a lot of resolution when it comes to accepting and understanding and, you know, treating them more like human beings So I definitely see the progress that we need to make and I definitely want to address it and I want to like, you know, show and, um, you know, give attention to, to that because it it needs it. And so obviously Gage and I, you know, all we know is our own perspective. All we know is what we've been through. So we're definitely not trying to speak on behalf of black trans women. Um, In the future, we we do want to have, you know, some diversity on our podcast, we want to have more people from different backgrounds come on. And I want to have them being able to speak for themselves because it is important. It's important to hear people's, you know, perspectives from all walks of life. So yeah, I'm really happy that we were able to sit down today and, you know, open up with you guys, you know, talk about some serious stuff. Although, you know, it's not always fun in games when it comes to transitioning. I really want to um, have these important conversations because it really, it really needs to be had. And um, yeah, so with that being said, I think um, we can wrap this up. I don't know if you have any final words. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to say it again. I, I'm not trying to offend anybody who is listening to this. It might feel like if you're a white person, it might feel like we are attacking you. But I don't, I don't see it as attacking. I think it should be looked at as like a challenge to look outside of your own experience and really think about how other people are going through life compared to you. And do you have certain privileges that other people have don't have? So it's not that we are trying to say that only people of color have a rough time with transitioning. That's not, that's not even close to the truth. It's just we are trying to showcase a perspective that is not talked about enough. And that's it at its simplest terms. Yeah. I I think we both we know lot, learned a lot today. I think this conversation was a lot more productive than than yesterday when we when we filmed it the first time. So I'm really happy about, you know, this this, you know, like um episode and I hope you guys, you know, appreciate what we're trying to do, what we're trying to say and you know, hear our points our perspectives and you know, um just get a better understanding of what it's like to, you know, live in our shoes. So thank you always for supporting. And we are very, very thankful to have what we have. 
And we are so happy to continuously, you know, create this podcast and create a, a message and a vision for what we want life to become. And I'm really, really happy that I'm able to do this with Gage. And uh, I'm very thankful. So with that being said, I hope you guys have a great one. And next one, uh, we'll try to be a little more lighthearted next episode. Um, yeah, we were yeah, keep- kind of thinking of doing like a whole episode, like a Q&A style. So maybe that will be a good way to like break this path of seriousness that we have gone down because we I do want to have some fun on the podcast. But it's just when you have a topic like this, you have to be serious um, because it's a serious matter. So yeah, in the future, we definitely plan to have more fun and talk about the good side of transitioning too. Yeah. And if, even if you have questions that aren't about our transition, you just kind of want to know a little more about us. Yeah. Feel free to ask those kind of questions too. We'll probably have an Instagram story where we're taking questions or, you know, maybe our personal Instagrams will have something that's posted, but yeah, just follow girlish podcast on Instagram and we'll try and keep you guys updated with our next episode and you know what we would like to from you guys we also have voice messaging on anchor that would be really cool to have your voice in an episode so maybe you know we can have um you know your voices and as part of some questioning so if you go on the on anchor um you can send us a voice message and that would be really really cool yeah that's a feature i think that we don't utilize enough i don't i just don't think people know about it but like in, instead of asking questions, there is a feature on Anchor where you can actually record your voice and we can input it into our podcast. So if that's something that you are interested in, um, you can definitely do that to submit a question, make our podcast a lot funner to actually hear you guys asking us questions. Yeah. And I'm really excited for, yeah, just what that means for the future of the show and having you guys incorporated more into, into um, you know, what we're trying to discuss and I really want this to be a community-based podcast. I want it to feel like everyone's involved. It's not just Gage and I. It's it's bigger. It's a conversation. And so I, I feel like it's really going in that direction. So I'm really, really excited and happy about everything. And I you know I keep saying that, but like I really am. Like everything's working out so great. And mm-hmm. it just it feels like we're on a good path and we're, we we're spreading a positive message. Yeah. So with that being said, I need to go back to laying in bed and watching TV. I don't know what you're doing for the rest of the day. I have to go on a run, so. Oh, shit. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, I'll be eating chocolate, so good luck. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you in the next episode of The Girlish Podcast. Bye, everyone. Bye.